Okay, welcome back, or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pactical Adventure alongside our producer, Michael Molinari. We are heading into week eight. College game day is finding their way out west. Justin Wilcox makes an addition to his staff. Stanford gets a big win, and Ted Robinson is on the Jumbotron in pregame at, at Name Stadium in Henry on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. An insider taught me. And Ted, you'll be in South Bend this weekend. Ted, Michael, how are we living? Hey, guys, I've got to say, we just had, and I'm going to give you an early, Michael has his humanity moment, but I'm going to give you a, a preview of a humanity moment. All right, so we're in Seattle at a, a terrific atmosphere, as always, in Husky Stadium, right? That people love their team. So it's this crazy sports weekend in Seattle. They have the baseball playoffs for the first time in 21 years. The baseball playoff game starts an hour and a half before our football game. Our football game wasn't the smoothest. Let's just say that. <laughs> three hours and 33 minutes. We finish our game and we do our little post-game stuff. And I go down and we have a little piece of pizza or something and thank the crew. Then I walk to the train to go to SeaTac. And of course, it's now the London Underground. I mean, everybody's like this, squeezed in. Every third person on the train has the baseball playoff game on their phone and they're still playing and they're sharing the results bat by bat with the other people on the train. We go the first stop, the hockey fans get on the train, the hockey team's playing its first game. So now the train goes and eventually in downtown, some people get out now on the South end of downtown towards the airport, where does the train stop? The ballpark, the game's still going. It's like in its 15th hour. And you can see into the stadium, and the stadium is still full. Unbelievable. By the time the train gets to the airport, Houston's won the game in the 18th inning. Six, what I think it was six hours and 20-something, I believe was the time of the game. People were at the airport were all buzzing about it. And the point I'm making is that just that's what we love about this because they still had probably 50,000 people at the Husky game, right? Because they love their school. The Mariners had these baseball fans you have to be nuts to sit through 18 innings of scoreless baseball you really have to have a little bit off to do that god bless them for doing so you had hockey fans going you had seahawk fans all getting ready for a sunday game it was unbelievable what a great sports atmosphere and it just highlights what a wonderful place and why we love going to UW. okay end of humanity great fans in washington it was also about what 78 the entire weekend we had a we had a day game. It was, I just I spent the last two hours before the game out with um, I have producer cam. I have this little idiot proof camera that sometimes they let me run when everyone else is busy. And it was like point and shoot wherever I pointed was gold. And uh, we kind of we came on the air, which is beautiful. The beautiful scene in Seattle, or uh, it was just it was it was great. It was I'm so I always am excited and happy when we go there. And it was no different this weekend. Yeah. That was fun. Um, my experience was a little different this weekend. I had the whole family in tow. Yes. But I'll say this. As a high school player, I remember it vividly, guys. My coach's kids would come to practice. And they were like, my kids' ages, seven, two. And they'd run around. And I can remember saying to myself, I'm going to coach someday. And my kids are going to come to practice. Now, I'm not coaching. But this is the world that we live in, in terms of we get to coach viewers about the game. And to watch our two boys tackle each other for an hour on the field in front of the band was just freaking awesome to just 
sit back and watch them run around. Zane, by the way, is our A2, our next <laughs> game at the, Ro at the Rose Bowl. He's ready to go. He had that walkie. He looked very official with the walkie-talkie. In the yes, he did. he did. He was ready. He was ready. <laughs> All right, fellas, as you know, football is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, always the easiest way to bet. All your favorite sports, events like Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, and, of course, what we love college football so head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100 welcome bonus that's 100 welcome bonus with your first deposit but make sure i use the promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your rewards bet online where the game starts all right so let's talk about saturday night because i think it's worthwhile of the usc utah game what were your thoughts when you guys went back and either caught part of it in real time or watched it back earlier this week? Ted, I'm going to kick it off with you, man. Well, all right. A couple of quick things. Um, the Look, Utah just I – mean, so, some knucklehead was sitting here a couple weeks ago going, you know, Rising's carrying the ball too much. <laughs> the running backs need to carry the ball. So, again, just why we shouldn't be in the prediction business. None of us knows anything. And here you go, the last two plays of the game. You have the running back on Utah that was the dominant running back in the conference last year, right? And he was the running – I mean, Tavion Thomas was dominant. Fourth down to win the game, who carries the ball? The quarterback. Two-point play to win the game, who carries the ball? The quarterback. The quarterback played a great game. And a week after DTR – shined his best probably played his best game at ucla under bright lights rising does the same thing phenomenal um and the other thing that um and I, it, it's a two-edged sword because i know it was you know social lit up and i'm actually glad it hasn't carried at least to my world through the week wasn't a great week and just being blunt it wasn't a great week for pac-12 officiating the roughing the passer call on figueroa was not a good call USC, though, could have stopped Utah again. They didn't have to let Utah drive the field to score. Now, I know you're asking somebody to stop an, off an offense twice, <laughs> in theory, in the same drive. That's not easy to do. Understood. But you could have held them to a field goal. Didn't have to ha let them drive to score. The fact that Utah took advantage of that opening and drove to score touchdown, to me, spoke a lot about Utah. And they went for two and, and scored. Like Cam Rising scored twice from the three-yard line. Mm -hmm. He made the money play. And yeah. I, I thought it was great. I I think back to the Florida game where he wasn't able to make the money play. And I thought it was, it was great to see that. And how about Dalton Kincaid? Just I, the most unstoppable offensive force in the pack this year in that game. Is that fair, Yogi? I think that's fair. 16 targets, 16 grabs. And they were not like easy pitches and catches. No. I'll say this, Ted. I, I thought about you a lot when I watched it back because quarterback plays back. All right. A year oh, ago. Gosh phenomenal we're the yeah. other way yeah. like cam rising i mean what an individual performance caleb williams what an individual performance and we hadn't seen him at his best since stanford one would argue like they've kind of been up and down on offense i thought he was awesome and to watch him with tears in his eyes and Kincaid with yeah. tears in his eyes after the game like 
we live in this world and, and Michael hits it with humanity at the end of ep every episode, but I think everything around the field is getting professionalized. You'd be ignorant to, to say it's not, whether it's NIL, the portal, coaching salaries, firing, et cetera. But that to me was like, why no one can screw with the 120 by 53 and a third. It was just all on the turf, all on the grass. They left it there. And, and Yogi, I was on with, um, again, our good friend, Bill Riley in Salt Lake. I was on a show yesterday and I, that's exactly what I said. I said, look at the, who's the best. I think the best quarterback play that I saw Saturday was Jaden Delora and his team didn't win. Great point. He was phenomenal. He was 180 from the guy we had seen the previous Saturday in Tucson. And it's sort of defines him. It's the hit, the miss, the hit is really good. And he was really good Saturday. And, you know, it gets back to the theme. I think that the quarterback play is way better. This defines the conference when it's right. It also highlights to me, again, the schools in this conference need to be recruiting the yogis, the five-star quarterbacks, and not let every – we can't keep everybody home, but we can't have everybody going back to play in the Big Ten and the SEC either. You can't rely on the – I don't think, and I may be proven wrong, the coaches may differ with me, but I don't think you can rely on the transfer portal to be the one-year stopgap every year at that position. It can be a blend. Some schools will have to use the portal for quarterback, but there are plenty of schools in our conference right now that can recruit, yeah. that can recruit the five-star guy, and that's what I want to see from our conference going forward. And Justin Wilcox said that today in his press conference. He was asked about quarterbacks, and we're going to get to Cal here in a minute. But I want to just – ask a question like here we sit in a week eight i think it's clear there's four teams at the top all right utah sc ucla oregon but i have no idea how to predict who i think will get to vegas like no idea oregon they get everybody at home but they gotta play uw they gotta play utah of course ucla then they gotta go to oregon state like what, what do you think because when utah sc ended my first thought if i'm being honest was like run it back Let's go run it back and see these two teams play again. M Michael, where, where do you see this thing right now in terms of top two? I think a lot will be decided in Eugene. I mean, I I think ask me at about five o'clock on Saturday. Because yeah. I, I, as Ted said, the predictability. Now, granted, somebody did pick Utah last week on this pod, but um, it's difficult <laughs> to predict. No, I didn't. <laughs> it's difficult to predict. The UCLA Oregon game. I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll make a prediction. I think, I think DTR and I think Jake Bobo have found a connection, and I think that's going to be. I think that'll be the difference in that game because I think Oregon's still, still uh, lacking a little bit in the pass defense. So that's that's where I would look for that game. And uh, UCLA is one of my two. I'm going to say that. I won't. I won't give you the other. But UCLA is one of my two. I'm going to go yeah. that far. And and look, it's obvious if UCLA wins. Saturday, they control, they're in control. And you look at their schedule, the last five, I mean, it's not daunting. They have to play USC, but it's at the Rose Bowl. And, uh, and you know, their road games are at ASU, at Cal. It's not as daunting as others. So I'm just saying, now that doesn't guarantee anything, but it does give them, if UCLA wins at Eugene, they are absolutely in the driver's seat. They control to be one of the two that make Vegas. Yeah, I can't wait. So what, what, I'll tell you what, the thing I'm looking most forward to watching in that game is the trio that Michael referenced against like the 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 linebackers of Oregon. I think Noah Sewell's an all-everything guy, but the other linebacker, right? Bennett Williams at nickel, like that's the matchup. 
that I can't wait to see shake out, like throwing in his eyes and the zone read and all the the stuff. Jake Bobo sneaking behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. Charbonnet, of course. But like that is exactly where I think my eyes would go if we were calling the game in terms of setting up the matchup. Well, I'm interested, and I again, we're not getting too deep into predictions here, but Oregon has the most experienced O-line in the league. They've run the ball this year, even with Travis Dye having gone. They're still running the ball. Bo Nix is running the ball. I would suspect they try to run the ball against UCLA. Can they? UCLA has been pretty good. UCLA didn't let Utah run all over them. So can UCLA handle, at least handle Oregon? If Oregon can ground and pound, or at least their version of it, to me, that would be instrumental. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right. Um, we're going to Stanford. Uh, Ted, you're going to Notre Dame. How else was going on at Notre Dame? What's going on at Notre Dame? For you this weekend. <laughs> is nothing nothing good? Not on the – Stanford gets well, a big win. There is something it was great. Good. No, no, really. And I, I think we should – that was great for Stanford. And I, I actually watched that game back on Sunday. And I was just thrilled because I was getting pinged. I'm sure you guys were, but all the Stanford people were pinging me. They were just ecstatic. Um, it blew my mind watching it back because we had been hurt. We had heard these rumblings, and you knew that after the way Stanford had lost Oregon State, that they were going to have an emotional hangover, and you're worried about that. Notre Dame looked like the team with the emotional hangover. Notre Dame didn't look like they were as engaged as you would want them to be. Stanford, I mean, Notre Dame didn't push Stanford. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the Stanford team that it had been <laughs> – not able to stop anybody defense suddenly that defensive front standing up and Notre Dame's getting something, but not getting what they would have expected. And that totally blew my mind. The other thing that I thought was great was football karma. And you've heard me talk about this. And I, I went through this a lot, especially on Sundays. Um, so Stanford's who's Stanford's running back right now. Casey, Casey Filkins. So Casey Filkins, you know, ending last year was what probably their fourth back. Nathaniel Fair. P, yeah. EJ Smith. EJ Smith, I think, was going to be the lead back this year in David Shaw's mind. But you had Nathaniel Pete, Austin Jones, and EJ Smith. Casey Vilkins is at best three, if not four. He's now one <laughs> and kind of one and only right now. They don't have a lot of depth there. Well, what happened in the first half at Notre Dame Saturday? Balls on the turf. Casey Vilkins fumbled twice, didn't secure the ball, punched out both times. Who recovered both fumbles? Stanford. Deep in their own territory both times. The ball is oblong. Fumble recoveries are random. Football karma went Stanford's way. That was my point. And I'm watching it back, and I didn't know in live, you know, we were doing our game. I didn't realize that it happened. I'm watching it back. Oh, my God. They recovered two fumbles at their own 20. If Notre Dame recovers either, if not, or both, I mean, it's devastating. So give Stanford credit. And, And they took advantage. So, I mean, it's just such a huge win for a program that was just beaten down. Uh, and and I love David Shaw after the game. You watched his interview with the TV people. He just said, it's a step. He didn't gloat, didn't glean, you know, didn't dance, didn't do a Heisman, didn't do anything like that. That's not David. He just said, it's a step. I love that about him. A good winner. What yeah. a uh, refreshing yeah. moment that was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So to that point, uh, we don't need to go into what's going on with Notre Dame on the field. But, Ted, I, I want to highlight it because I think it's it's really cool what's going on on the field at halftime this weekend. We're not going to be together. 
um, because you're going back to South Bend. It's for my something bye that... week. Come on, everybody gets a bye week. This... We, thank God we don't have a Thursday night game following a bye week. That's all I can say. Well, I think this is really cool for your wife. We let, Let's love her up a little yeah, bit. Let me... hey, let's coming bring her in. in. She's coming let's in. Let's bring her in. Field hockey those. extraordinaire, Mary Robinson. No. way back in the day getting oh, honored yeah. all right so i so i promise it'll be fast this is for the video folks if you're listening you turn me away so anyway um so what's happening at notre dame saturday they're playing unlv marcus arroyo yogs guy um and uh, notre dame is honoring and of course it's the fit we all know 50th anniversary of title nine etc that was also it's also the 50th anniversary of notre dame first allowing women into school and because notre dame will never in the history of the world have co-educational dorms women coming to Notre Dame was a very gradual process because they had to retrofit male dorms to become female dorms, which meant ripping out urinals, ripping out the, the prison yard showers and putting stalls in. And that took time. So over six, seven years, Notre Dame gradually let women come in. They only had five sports for women and they were all club sport. They didn't have varsity sport until 1979. And the women that played for seven years in those five sports are being retroactively put into the monogram club, which is what Joe Montana and Jerome Bettis and every great Notre Dame, Joe Theismann, every great Notre Dame player you've ever heard of is in the monogram club. And it's at Notre Dame, it's a great honor. But what I love is this is a, a photo. I have the, the real program back in my house, but this is the game program from Notre Dame against Georgia Tech on November 8th, 1975. This was our sophomore year. And I'm just looking to see, because I haven't, oh yeah. So in, in this while, it's not gonna show very well because it's a thing, a women's sports, because this was big at Notre Dame back then, women's sports article featuring the field hockey team. And that is class of 1978, Mary Walsh playing on the field hockey team. Um, and that's highlighted that day. Now, this also, is the game program that on that very day, if you can see in the bottom middle here, and again, I apologize for you listening. That is number 45 defensive end, Dan Rudiger. <laughs> that's, that's Rudy. This was the game that Rudy played. So the very same game, this is the game program, November 8th, 1975. That's the Rudy game. I was on the sideline as a manager. My wife was in the program as the field hockey stud, and Rudy played. So, it's always Rudy takes very much the second chair in this conversation, but Notre Dame's, but there are about 250 women that are being honored. It's the right thing. I, I'm sure other schools, I don't know what the PAC schools have done. I'm, I'm sure many already have done it, uh, but it's the right thing to do to honor women before you know, it was club sport. It wasn't varsity sport. And so to have them all be honored like that is a great thing. End of story. I know There's you your humanity moment, Molinari. I know Top you don't that. Get, I know you don't get residuals from a few good men. Do you get residuals from Rudy, Ted? Or are you over two? I'm not in. No, no, no. I don't, and I don't want them. <laughs> As I keep telling you, I've, I've done this in many speeches for many years. I've had teams ask me to speak to them about it. The story's true, believe it or not. In the movie, you know, there are a few things that are Hollywooded up, but the story is as told in the movie is true. Wow, I love that. That's that's awesome, man. We'll give her a hug for us. We'll we'll come say hi to her, of course, before you guys take off and we get up there for the game. But with that, there, there's only four games this week, um, which is interesting, right? And I look at Oregon State got a chance to qualify and be bowl eligible. You look at Washington, isn't that to get great? Wins. New Oregon State yeah. story. Let me let me tip John Canzano, the guy in Oregon, wrote a great column about the Beavers the other day. 
And it was it was perfect highlight of how Oregon State plays. It was the and it's the kind of thing we need more. It was positive. It was about people doing things, not just ripping people. It was a great compliment to Beaver football. Cool. So with that said, um, Oregon State plays a Colorado team. Yeah. Props for that win. Uh, but I think it's noteworthy for us. We got to talk about Cal here. Uh, Justin Wilcox just made an announcement earlier. Uh, they bring on uh, kind of an extra set of eyes. Steve Greatwood now comes on back. Um, offensively, they have had some struggles. Uh, they just haven't scored enough. Right? Heading into last weekend's game, whoever won a conference game had scored an average of 33 points. That number just went up when you look at what happened last weekend with all the high-scoring games that we've already referenced. W- what do we think about Cal? And here comes another high-scoring offense that we just saw in Washington. It'll be the lone late-night game on the West Coast. Um, and the move that Justin made there. Well, first of all, Cal had a chance to tie that game in overtime twice on first down and fourth down. I mean, it's got a sting to lose, you know, to Colorado who's down. It's got a sting to lose to Colorado. It's got a sting to lose in overtime, but then it's got a sting to lose when you had two opportunities to tie the game in overtime. So I, Justin's got his work cut out for him trying to get that team to bounce back. Cause I can't think of a harder gut punch than what just happened last Saturday. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, they did tie the game and, you know, lesson. I mean, it has to be a teaching lesson for everybody in Cal, let alone I'm sure it'll be a, something shown to teams around the country. You throw a touchdown pass. I believe it was a freshman that, that caught it in the end zone in overtime and he was too casual and the ball gets punched out by a Colorado guy. Inexcusable. And, you know, that's the gut punch. Um, so I, 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 again, you know, we're not hiding anything. I think we, we, we've all listened to this pod and know how, we feel about Justin, how I feel about Justin. I thought what he said Saturday was fabulous leadership, fabulous leadership. He called everybody out, starting with himself. No excuses. No, oh, we're trying hard. None of that typical thing you hear in college football about hiding behind shields. No, we're not good enough. And it's not acceptable. And I thought that was great. I thought that was great. That's leadership. And now what Yogi just pointed out is obviously step one in trying to remedy this for half two of the season. Yeah. It's going it, it, to be fun to track. We haven't had Cal this year. Uh, we've had everybody other than Cal Colorado and ASU. We get ASU and Stanford. Haven't had them either. We'll see them this weekend. Uh, real quick on ASU, Stanford, Arizona State, Emory Jones. Looks like he's on track. Uh, I think that's a good move. I, I love the Trenton Borgay story as much as any former walk-on who owns a scholarly. Uh, but Emory Jones is playing well. I think it's important to note that when he was in the game. And I want to see that Stanford run defense and see what they can do. Can they put together – two complete games in a row. I and mean, this is a team, if not a, the, you know, one of the most wild, one of the wildest plays of the season. If it doesn't happen, they're two wins in a row, right? We all thought they would beat Oregon state. Sean Aguana, you don't lose your job to an injury. Yeah. And it's simple, but I'll tell you what, that means, that means a lot to everybody in the locker room. I think that's, that's time tested football. Unless you're Jim Harbaugh, nobody loses their job due to injury. Yeah. That's exactly right. Michael. Yeah, so I think this is going to be a fun one to watch. I'm really intrigued to to get up there and check it out. Uh, a bunch of competitive games, I think, will happen on Saturday. The biggest one with the most at stake is the one in Eugene game day. The whole nine yards will be there. So we'll have you covered. Uh, Michael, with that said, uh, let's get to your humanity moment of the week, man. I mean, Ted's two, already got two of them in the show. Yeah, yeah it is. that's very true. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up somebody that's going to make Ted smile, I'm sure. But also, Sean Iguana wearing a Mike Forrest all game. We've had some success with that this year. So 
tune in. You don't have Pac-12 Network. You know where to get it. Fubo TV, I checked yesterday. The seven-day free trial, still available. Um, anyway. <laughs> awesome. That wasn't even scripted. Uh, when is that? Well, you, got, we need, you need to have a hat next week, Michael. <laughs> you know, you see what hat I got. Uh, all right, humanity. Humanity and hospitality go hand in hand. Being a contributor to a welcoming and inclusive environment can be incredibly productive and rewarding. This weekend, I encountered incredible, we all encountered incredible hospitality, and unfortunately, too large a dose of inhospitable behavior as well. When our crew makes a trip to Seattle, we always have the pleasure of being welcomed to our old coworker and great friends, Adam and Christina's home in Kirkland. The food, drink, conversation are all amazing. But the way they welcome us to the comfortable, familiar, and incredibly welcoming environment is really what makes it so special. It's hospitality at its best. On the flip side, after our game, I encountered an inhospitable environment. Guess where it's at? On Twitter. The refs lost the game for us. I kept reading that. But it wasn't just the Pac-12. You could look, the ACC refs lost the game for us. The Big Ten refs lost the game for us. Even the SEC refs lost the game for us. Unsurprisingly, nearly all the negative comments came from the fans of the team that lost. It's not just in sports, but throughout our society, there always has to be somebody to blame. We create scapegoats rather than focusing on mistakes and learning from our mistakes. It's both unproductive and inhospitable. So let's try this, everyone. From Tuscaloosa to Troy, look in the mirror and repeat after me. My team did not win the game because the other team played better than us. Hopefully, our team will learn from their mistakes and will be better next week. By the way, the officiating in Syracuse's games has been outstanding so far this season. <laughs> we'll see what happens this weekend at Clemson. <laughs> Go get a win, Dino. That's good. <laughs> That's that's a great point, Michael. And and it, look, it's it's. Um, I mean, other than Twitter can be a cesspool, as you just ex- explained. Uh, the, the reality is, is yeah. That when and when you when you see officiating struggle, this has I think been well documented. A large part of it is because people won't do it today. Why won't people be officials today? Because of the cesspool. There are why why put yourself through that? So that's the point. You, you, you want to go and uh, clearly people are venting. We know that, but th- it's unproductive long term. I'll be long gone, but they're gonna have a hard time. You're gonna have a hard time, twenty years from now, finding the caliber of officials you have today. Let's just say I've heard multiple times on the high school level, it's impossible to find officials because nobody wants to do it because of. The cesspool that's we've seen, we've seen the fan parents coming out of the stands to fight with officials. I mean, at some point, folks, it's, I mean, we're all passionate, but it is a game. Yeah. You know, we, we should love this up because we're calling USC against Arizona. And one of the Arizona greats, Antoine Kaysen, is an official. This is the guy who threw himself into the running for the head job a couple of years ago. He's an All-American. I think he's first round pick. I mean, he's a baller. And he's like, I want to be a ref. And maybe he'll inspire some other people because you're right. Um, that's great. You know, I that's a great go. that's a great call, Yoke, because, you know, there have been a couple, uh, Leon Wood and Bernie Fryer, who were NBA players 
became longtime NBA reps. I think they're probably both retired by now. Michael's, you I think Leon that. Wood is uh, in the administration at this point, I think. Okay. Yeah, but they were they were guys. They played in the league for a while and became refs. And I've never heard about that in football. It'd be a nice, I mean, I think Vince McMahon even had a couple of guys once they f- stopped body slamming people. He put them in shirts and let them be refs in the ring <laughs> for the cage match. <laughs> The cage match. All right. Well, we got a lot of good games this weekend. All eyes will be in Eugene. Can't wait to see it. I, I think it's going to be much like Tennessee, Alabama, and USC, Utah. I think it's going to be a great one. I think it's going to come down to the end. And I think this year in college football, in our last 90 seconds, soapbox moment. And this year in college football, nobody, to my eyes, gets a pass. Nobody's a world beater. Do it on the field. We'll see how it nets out. Two weeks to CFP rankings get revealed for the first time. We'll see where the Ducks, the Bruins, the Trojans, and even Utah sit among those rankings. So, no highest ranked two loss team this week, by the way, Utah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's that's a positive for the pack that, that you finally get that kind of respect. They are the highest ranked team with two losses. There it is. All right, uh, we got you every single week. Presented by Bet Online, Ted. Michael and our producer Tanner. Thanks for the time, everybody. Sure, check us out on your smart TV. We're there as well. Check it out on the Believe channel. All good things. Ted, have a safe flight. Michael, I'll see you in Northern California. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.